Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. It is so good to see all of you here worshiping with us today. Um, I'd like to welcome all of you. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'm Tony Wallace. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale, and I get the privilege each week of sharing with you God's Word. And so, um, now if you're a guest, you've chosen a great weekend on which to visit our church, because this is Vision Weekend. You go, Vision Weekend, what is that all about? Well, Vision Weekend is where we share with our congregation what we feel like the Lord is saying to us as a church for the next year, 2019. Every year for months, we pray and just ask the Lord, God, would you please order our steps? Would you please give us a heart for what you want to do through our congregation in this community and world over the next year? And you know, amazingly, God always does exceedingly abundantly above what we even ask or think. God is so faithful to do that. Now, you may go, why is vision so important? Because the Bible says this, without vision, you know, what happens? <laughs> we perish. That's right. Without a vision, the people perish. I mean, without a vision, you're going to get distracted. Without a vision, you're going to get off course. Without a vision, you're going to go off the rails. And that's true in every area of your life. Without a vision for your family, your children will most likely rebel. Without a vision for your marriage, you know what? One in two marriages end in divorce. Without a vision for your workplace, you know what? Your job is just going to become drudgery. Without a vision for the church, 3,700 churches close their doors every year in America. God has a vision for his church. He wants to touch this world through his body, the church of the living God. And so every year we share, this is what we feel like God's vision is for our church. Now, last year, I shared what I called our 2020 vision. And it was four things of just big, incredible things that we felt like God was doing and asking us to do to prepare for what God's going to do in our city. And you know what's amazing? God's accomplishing those things. And so I want you to see a little video, just a reminder of what we talked about last year and what has happened in this last year of what God's doing in our 2020 vision. This is exciting. Check this out. Every year, God gives us a new vision, a direction for our congregation. Every year, God is so faithful to do that. And I believe he's done that again for us today. You know, the fact is, this is his church and God's got a vision for it. We believe by the time we are in the year 2020, these things are going to be accomplished and starting in our church. We want to continue reaching the next generation by building a new Creekside Worship Center, which also will double our space to reach more youth in our student ministry building. God's working in incredible ways in our young adults around here and our our youth ministry, and yet we're out of space. And so what we're gonna do is literally across the creek, directly facing our present student building, we're gonna be building a new Creekside worship venue. So our two Creekside services can continue to grow. But also now that enables our student ministry to not be locked in. They're able to literally double in size and they're going to have space to grow as well. We want to more effectively reach the world around us, the unchurched, by building a coffee house 
which will serve as an alternative worship venue where we can interact and reach the unchurched. We're going to build a coffee house where our culture and society are going to cross with us seven days a week. They're going to come for coffee, and they're going to find Jesus. We want our church to take the lead in reaching our city and community by using all the profits from our coffee house to fund partnerships touching the inner city. Our church is the largest church in the tri-state area. And Jesus said this, to whom much is given, much is required. We already have dozens of incredible partnerships with amazing ministries that God's using. We're gonna take all the profits from our coffee house and it's gonna continue to fund those partnerships. We wanna reach Apison by purchasing land for a future church campus. Advisors tell us that the next big growing area in Hamilton County is gonna be the Apison area. And yet here's the sad reality. There is not a growing church in that entire area. That is Vision 2020, and we've already been living it out over the past year. We've seen people come to faith through our wild game dinner, Silverdale tea, children's ministries, student camps, and mission trips. And many of these new believers follow the Lord through baptism. Right now, we have nine weekend worship services, and Silverdale continues to be one of the fastest-growing churches in America. Our North Udawa campus has exploded in growth since its launch just 15 months ago. We are already out of parking space and have double the number of children we expected. God is moving, and we're responding by expanding our Vision 2020 to include new parking and more space for children's ministry. Many of us have already responded, and so far, over $2 has been given. But to meet the need and complete these projects, we're going to need at least $2 more this year. Together, Vision 2020 will come into focus and we'll continue to see our community and the world through the eyes of Jesus. Now, those are some exciting things that God is doing. I mean, it it amazes me when you think about it. Those were just dreams we had a year ago and now they're becoming a reality. I mean, the, the fact is, is that by the end of this year, most of those things that we just saw are going to be built. They're going to be done but, but you'll notice that most of the things that we talked about dealt with, what, buildings and facilities and, you know, um, purchasing of land. And those things are important. But see, last year, our focus seemed to be, okay, we've got to raise money for those things, and we still need those monies. And, and okay, we, we, we need to get those buildings designed and work with contractors. And all those things are important. But it was almost like the Lord was saying to me as I was praying about this year, it was like he was saying, Tony... Okay, you're making room in the facilities, but, but you see, the church is not about facilities. The church is about, what, my family. I mean, God was saying, look, my church is not about buildings. My church is about people. And so last year, the focus was on buildings. This year, I want the focus to be on people. And so the theme for 2019 is very simple, and it's this, making room. You go, what does that mean? that God is calling you to make room in your heart for at least one more person. That God wants to use you, every person here. God wants to use you to influence at least one person this next year into the kingdom of God. God wants to use you. And the ripple effect of your life touching somebody else is going to be eternal. Many of you know my church, I mean my, my family story. 
I mean, my family was not a Christian family. My dad grew up in Switzerland. My, uh, my mom was from South Georgia. She was a sharecropper's daughter, and they were unchurched. My mom and dad met. They got married. They had my first, their first child, my older sister, Kathy. And they moved to Tampa, Florida, and they were struggling. They were struggling financially, relationally. They were, um, you know, having hard times. And there was a neighbor that saw my sister and came to my mom one day, and she said, hey, I'm a preschool teacher at this new church. Um, Could I take your daughter to my preschool class? And my mom said, yes. And that preschool teacher became the first link in my spiritual chain. Now, my sister started going to church with her every week. And one, after a number of months, my sister came home and was talking to my mom one day and said, Mom, why is it that all the other kids get to sit with their parents in church and I don't get to sit with you and dad? And that just convicted my mom. And she calls up my dad on the phone at work and says, Ed, I don't care about you, but you know what? I'm going to start going to church with my daughter. And my dad said, okay, we'll go to church. And unbeknownst to my sister, she became the second link in my spiritual chain. And so they start going to this church. It was a new church. It's called Westgate Baptist Church. They went there begrudgingly. But every week, Reverend Cheney would preach the gospel. And after several months of hearing the gospel, my parents came to faith in Jesus Christ. And that church became the next link in my spiritual chain. Now, um, they didn't grow a lot in that church beyond their salvation. In fact, they moved out of Tampa to the farm that I grew up on outside of Tampa. And um, my, my dad's faith grew a little bit, but not a lot, until he got involved with a ministry called the Gideon's Ministry. And that's whenever he discovered the power of God's Word to transform lives. And so the Gideon Ministry became a link in my spiritual chain as well. Now, by this time, I was about 19 years old. My life was really messed up. I had a lot of addictions. I'd already flunked out of college. You know, my life was not doing well. And my dad didn't quite know what to do with me and my brothers. And um, he said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. Boys, every morning for breakfast, we're going to start reading God's Word together. It was like a New Year's resolution. Every morning, we're going to start reading God's Word. And so, sure enough, I did it out of obligation. But by the summer, I I was actually looking forward to reading God's Word. And by that fall, I had become a follower of Jesus Christ. And my dad's decision to start reading the Word of God every morning for breakfast was another huge link in my spiritual chain. Now, here's the amazing thing. I've been a follower of Christ for 35 years now. And for most of those years, because God had called me to be a pastor, um, God has used my life to help influence other lives. In fact, here's the thing. I'm a pastor. My younger brother, Troy, he's a pastor. My older brother, Carl, is an elder in his church. And through our ministries, we have seen literally thousands of people come to faith. But here's the amazing thing. It all started with a preschool Sunday school teacher. Here, here's the thing that amazes me. Our families talked about this. We don't even remember her name. God does. God knows her name. Why? Because she's the beginning link of thousands of spiritual chains. 
Can I tell you that God wants to use you to start a spiritual chain this year? But you've got to make room in your heart. You see, all of us are busy, and we're like, I just got no time. My heart's really busy. And I'm asking you, will you please just make room in your heart for one more person? And this year, I'm asking you to pray, God, who is that one that you want me to touch for you? Who is that, Lord? Start praying. Now, I don't know who that may be. It may be somebody that you know, or maybe somebody that you don't know yet. Or maybe somebody that you love, or maybe it's somebody that you don't love. Pray that God will love through you. I mean, this year, say, God, I know you're calling me to reach one. I need to make room in my heart for one more person in my life. And if you'll do that, God will use you to create a spiritual chain. You go, how? Well, what I'd like to do today is I want you to see the very first spiritual chain in Jesus' ministry. It's found in John chapter 1. So go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, or you can take out your smartphone, open that app to John 1, and then do this as well. You can take your, your outline here and follow along and take notes. I encourage you to take notes as God speaks to you today. But let's look at John chapter 1, the very first spiritual chain in Jesus' ministry. Let me set this thing up for you. Jesus comes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the forerunner. He's the one that's preparing the way for the Messiah. And then what does John the Baptist do? He points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, John the Baptist, he had some some followers, and they heard John say that, and so they start following Jesus. One of those who followed Jesus and found out that Jesus was the Messiah was this guy called Andrew. So that sort of sets up the text. Look at it with me. It's John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. So John is the first link in this chain, right? What did he do? Immediately, verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. So what? Andrew now becomes a second link, right? So what did he do? Verse 42. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Look what happens next. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. You go, Philip, where did did Jesus know Philip? Well, he knew Philip because of Andrew and Peter. Check it out. Look at the next verse, verse 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. That's how they knew him. So Andrew and Peter now becomes the next link in this spiritual chain. How did Philip respond when he meets Jesus? Well, check it out, verse 45. Philip found Nathaniel told him, we, not I, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, Philip answered. So Philip becomes the next link in this chain. And so Nathaniel meets Jesus. Look at it, verse 47. Then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming for toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. That means, you know what? This is a stand-up guy, no deceit. Verse 48. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree? I saw you, Jesus answered him. Rabbi, Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe that I... Because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. 
you will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now watch this. You have Jesus. He was influenced people to follow Jesus who? John the Baptist pointed to Jesus. John influenced Andrew. Andrew, first thing he did is go get his brother, Simon. And then Simon and Andrew influenced Philip. And then Philip influenced Nathaniel. Do you see this? That's a spiritual chain. One life touching another life touching another life. That's what God wants to do this year through you. God wants to touch another life in 2019. And he wants to start a spiritual chain through you. You go, how? Well, that's what we're going to find out. I want you to jot down three principles that we're going to pull right out of this text. And we're going to learn how these spiritual chains happen. Ready? Number one, jot this on your outline. First of all, there is somebody in your life that needs Jesus. You need to know that there's somebody in your life that needs Jesus. Now, I know that's a blanket statement, but that's what's happening here, right? Verse 41, Andrew first found his own brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah. Verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, hey, we found the one, right? Now, why did Andrew do that? Because Andrew knew his brother Simon needed Jesus, right? And you know what? Philip knew. Even though Nathaniel's a stand-up righteous dude, the fact is he still needed Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's someone in your life that needs Jesus as well. You go, I don't know who they are. Well, pray, ask the Lord, the Lord will reveal that person to you. But if you're going to reach them this year, you know what you got to do? You got to make room in your heart. Look, I know your life is crowded with a lot of people, a lot of other things. I'm asking you to pray. God, would you please open my heart? I want your heart for one person this year. I want to have your heart. Please open my heart. You got to do that. Now, you can see the scriptures filled with individuals who did this. I love one of my favorite stories is actually the story of Levi. He's also called Matthew. I mean, from the external conditions, it looked like this guy's got a perfect life. I mean, this guy's got money, big house, lots of friends, a lot of things going on, but he's hurting on the inside. Jesus knows it. He comes to Matthew, Levi, one day, and he says, Levi, follow me. And Levi left everything and started following after Jesus Christ. And then what does Levi do? Levi throws this big party in his big house for all of his friends. I mean, who does he invite? Does he invite a bunch of Sunday school kids? No. He invites all his lost friends. Check it out. Look at it. It's found in Mark chapter 2, verse 15. While he, that's Levi, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, was, uh, Jesus was reclining at the table in Levi's house. Look at this. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus. In your outline circle, tax collectors and sinners. Levi throws a party. And who's he invite? He invites all his old drinking buddies, right? Because Levi knows something. That whenever you come to follow Jesus Christ, God doesn't say, okay, get rid of all your friends. No, no, no. God says no. I mean, that's not what Levi does. Levi goes, you know what? You guys have been a part of my life. You know, I love you guys. You are my friends. I mean, and, and you know what? I want you now to know the one who has changed my life. His name is Jesus Christ. And it's the same way with you. God doesn't want you to throw away all your friends and acquaintances and relationships. No, God wants you to use those relationships to leverage them for the kingdom of God. And this year, God wants to use you to bring somebody to faith. Now, for some of you, this is going to come easy for you. Do you know why? Because you are just a natural-born bringer, right? I mean, you just, you just bring people. I mean, you're like an Andrew in the Bible, 
You know what's amazing in the gospel of John? You see over and over again Andrew being in, bringing people to Jesus, right? Gospel starts out, chapter 1. Here's Andrew bringing his brother Simon to Jesus. Then in the middle of the gospel, what do you have? You have Andrew bringing this boy, five loaves, two fish to Jesus. At the end of the gospel of John, you have, you know, Andrew bringing these pagan Greeks to Jesus. Andrew is a bringer, natural bringer. He's always bringing people to Jesus. Some of you are just natural bringers. You know what? You just got this outgoing personality. You're just a party waiting to happen, right? And everybody knows it. They just love hanging out with you. You just got this great personality. God wants to use you. To bring people to faith. Now, others of us are not Andrews. In fact, this whole thing, this theme freaks you out. <laughs> you can't do that. I can't do that. You know what? I get that, right? Because I'm, I'm not an Andrew either. And so, you know what? You're probably a Philip. You don't see in the Gospel of John, Philip bringing a bunch of people. But Philip brings one person. God's calling you to bring that one person. And so I'm asking you today, start praying right now, God, who is my one? God, I want to open up my heart to that one. Who is my one? It it may be a friend. It may be a family member. It it may be somebody at work. It may be somebody at your school, somebody on your team, somebody in your sorority or fraternity. It may be somebody in your neighborhood. I don't know who that may be, but I believe if you'll sincerely start praying, God's going to put at least one person on your heart. And whenever he does, I'm asking you, just open up your heart to that person. And then, once God's done that, then there's a second thing you need to know about that person. Jot this on your outline. You need to believe that Christ offers them true life. You need to start believing that Jesus Christ alone offers them the true life they're looking for. Again, that's what's happening here. Why does Andrew bring his brother Simon to Jesus? Because he knows Jesus alone will give Simon what he's really looking for. I mean, why is it that Philip goes to Nathaniel and brings him to Jesus? Because even though Nathaniel's a stand-up righteous dude, the fact is he knows that Jesus Christ alone will really give him what he's really looking for. See, that's our problem. We have such a worldly view of the people around us. We see people through our worldly eyes, and we basically think this. We go, they got a pretty good life. Look at them. Their life seems to be all together. They got a good job and good family. They seem happy. I mean, what what can I offer them? Well, you know, they don't need Jesus, right? That's sort of what we think. Why? Well, why do we think that? I'll tell you why. Because we look at their social media. Can I just tell you something? Not everything you see on social media is true, right? You see that beautiful family picture they made? It took 10 takes for them to get that beautiful picture. And then after that, they had to doctor it, you know? They had to put the right filter on it. And they go, okay, make sure you get my good side and i got to get my chin up so it's not saggy, right? I mean, that's what people do, right? That's, that's it. Can, can I just tell you something? People are not who they are in the presentation side. There is a behind-the-door side. Listen to me. Every person you know is jacked up somewhere in their life. They are. Every person here you know is jacked up in some place in their life. And so you need to know that Jesus Christ alone promises them real life. That Jesus has a plan for something grander, something greater than what they can even imagine. Listen, 
Every person on this planet has a God-shaped void in their soul. And what do we do? We constantly go through life trying to satisfy and fill it with other things. And it never, ever, ever will satisfy. I mean, think of it. Here's Levi. From the external, everything's great. Very successful. A lot of money. A lot of friends. Big house. And yet, he was dying on the inside. And there was only one thing he needed. He needed Jesus Christ. In fact, think about this. How does Jesus describe people that are a part of, you know, not having a relationship with him. There's at least three ways that Jesus describes us. In fact, I put it at the top of your outline there. How does Jesus describe those that don't know him? Well, one way that he describes us is sick. You go, that's sort of harsh, Pastor Tony. No, that's what Jesus said, right? Remember the story? Here's Levi, got all these tax collectors and sinners. The religious leaders are like, Jesus, how can you hang out with all these sinners? What does Jesus say? Check it out. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. It's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are what? Say it out loud. Sick. Those are sick. Jesus sees us. We've got sin-sick souls without him. The second way that Jesus describes us is lost. That whenever we live our life apart from Christ, we've wandered away from God. We're we're like a, a sheep that's gone astray. And Jesus tells the parable of who? He's the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he he leaves the 99 safe, and then he goes after the one. And when he discovers the one, look at what he says. Check it out. Luke chapter 15, verse 6. Rejoice with me. Why? Because I have found my lost sheep. Third way that Jesus describes us is dead. You go, well, that's not very kind. But that's the truth. We're spiritually dead. I mean, do you remember the story of the prodigal son? It's a beautiful story. You have this son who comes to his dad and says, Dad, give me what's mine. Give me my inheritance. Dad says, that's not wise, son, but here it is. And the son says, goodbye. I'm done with you. He leaves, goes to a far country. He wastes everything that the father's blessed him with. And then what happens? He finds himself in a time of need. He comes to his senses. He repents. He returns home. The father sees him from a distance, runs to him, embraces him, loves him. They reconcile, and he welcomes him back in, right? Beautiful story. It's a picture of our salvation. But did you notice what the father says about the son? Look at it. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verse 24. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. You may go, wait a minute, the son was never physically dead. No, but you know what? Relationally, he was dead. I mean, think about it. I mean, when do you get your inheritance? You get your inheritance when somebody dies, right? And for the son to come to the dad and say, give me my inheritance right now, in essence, what he's saying is, dad, I wish you were dead. And whenever you and I decide that we're going to live our lives outside of the father's will, then what we've done, we've become spiritually dead. Do you understand how Jesus sees this world? Apart from Jesus Christ, we are sick. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are lost in this confused, dark world. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead. We desperately need Jesus Christ. Listen, no matter how great a person's life may look, it is empty apart from Jesus Christ. In fact, Christ comes to give them the life that they're really looking for. Check it out. Look at what Jesus says to Simon in John chapter 1, verse 42. And he brought Simon to Jesus, and when Jesus saw him, he said, You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. You go, what's happening there? Jesus said, I'm going to change your name. 
and I'm going to change it to Peter. What does Peter mean? Peter means rock. Simon, you got this vacillating life, but you know what? I'm encounter with me, I'm going to make you a rock-solid person. That's what God does. God changes you into the person that you're really called to be. What about Nathaniel? I mean, it's an incredible promise. Nathaniel's a righteous dude, but he has no clue what Jesus is going to do in his life. He's going to rock his world. Look at it, verse 51. Jesus makes this promise to you. Truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What, what he's saying is, is Nathaniel, I'm going to do some things in your life that are going to blow your mind. Listen to me. God's got a plan, a purpose, a design for every person on this planet. And yet most of us never touch God's purpose for our life. Why? Because we try to live our life apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to give us life, the life we were created to experience. You know what amazes me? Jesus never apologizes for asking people to follow him. Why? Because he knows he alone gives life. Jesus alone is the one who can give you what you're created to be. I mean, think about it. I mean, the fact is, Jesus knows he's that pearl of great price. Jesus knows he's the treasure in the field. And whenever you discover Jesus Christ, you're willing to leave it all. You're willing to leverage it all for that one thing of knowing Jesus Christ. This world does not understand it. But when you find Jesus Christ, you have just discovered everything you need. That's what the Bible says. So let me review There is someone in your life that needs Jesus. And you need to start believing this person, you know what? Apart from Jesus Christ, they're never going to experience true life. But in Jesus Christ, they didn't experience true life. But there's one final thing I want you to see, and then I want you to jot this on your outline. Number three is this. You need to trust that Christ will change them. You need to trust that Christ is going to change them. See, let me take the pressure off of you. (sighs) Ready? You don't save anybody. You can't change anybody. You can't. This is a spiritual work. In fact, Jesus says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. You don't save anybody. You don't. This is God's work, okay? But you know what? As followers of Jesus Christ, if we will do certain things, we partner with God in this eternal work. And so this next year, there's three very important things that I'm calling you to. What are they? Number one, first of all, jot this down. First of all, you need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. Pray for them to come to faith. I believe this, that no one comes to faith apart from prayer. Why? Because salvation is an eternal work. It's a spiritual work. The Bible says this. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. The only thing that lifts that deceptive fog is prayer. And you may go, well, does God want me to pray for them? Of course he does. I mean, I love how this is written about God's heart for them in um, 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Look at this passage. The Lord does not delay his promise, but he is patient with you. Look at it. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God loves your friend more than you do. God wants to see them come to repentance. And so you can pray confidently and boldly because you know it's God's will. In fact, I love this prayer promise. It's found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Look at this prayer promise for you. This is the confidence We have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. 
There's many times in my life when I'm praying, and I'm not really sure if I'm praying God's will or not. But whenever you start praying for a person to come to faith in Jesus Christ, you know confidently I am in the center of God's will. So this is what we want you to do. Once God's put a person in your heart, we want you to pray every day for that person. You go, every day? Yes, every day. Open up your heart and pray for them every day. And we've given you something to help remind you to do this. It's this little right here, this little window cling. It's called Pray for One. Hopefully all of you, whenever you came in, you got one of these. If you didn't, they're out in the atrium. You can grab one. And what we want you to do, you go, what window cling? What is that? Well, it's just like whenever you get an oil change and that little sticker they put up on the window. Well, that's what this is. It's a window cling. It sticks on any glass. You can put it on a mirror. You can put it on a window. You can put it on a cup, you know? I mean, it'll stick to any glass. Or maybe, you know what? You, you just, you just want to stick it somewhere that'll remind you. Maybe put it in your Bible. But But look at it. It's got to be a place where you see it on a regular basis that reminds you, okay, I need to pray for my one. I need to pray for my one. Listen, 2019, if you do this, God is going to answer your prayers. God's going to answer your prayers. Start praying for your one. Second thing you need to do after you start praying for them, secondly, do this. You need to start loving them. You need to start loving them. Did you know that every person in your life desires one thing? You know what it is? It's love. Every person in your life looks at you with this question. Do you really love me? Do you really care about me? And if a person's got a question mark about you, do you think they're really going to believe that God, a God that they can't see, loves them? Most likely not. Look at how Jesus puts this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus says, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. In your outline circle, see your good works. Now, it's interesting what Jesus does not say. Jesus doesn't say, hey, let the light of your morality shine so everybody can see what a good person you are. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, let the, the light of your Bible knowledge shine so everybody can see how smart you are and how much Bible verses you've memorized. He doesn't say that. Now, there's nothing wrong with morality, obviously, nothing wrong with Bible. But, but, but what does Jesus say? Jesus says, it's actions. It, it's, it's acts of kindness. It's acts of love. It's good works. Why? Because those are the only thing that's going to change a person's mind. Think about this. We live in an irreligious world. And they are convinced that we as Christians are a bunch of narrow-minded bigots. And the only thing that's going to change their perception of us and ultimately Jesus Christ is whenever you just love them unconditionally. This next year, you know what you need to do? You just got to say, God, help me love them the way you love them. God, help me give specific acts of kindness and love to them. Pray for them. Love them. But then the third thing is this. Shut this down. You need to point them to Jesus. You need to point them to Jesus. What's interesting in our passage here is that Philip and Andrew both use the same approach. What is it? Come and see. Come and see. And throughout this year, there's going to be times that we're going to say, hey, this weekend is a good weekend to invite your one. You know what? God's going to work this weekend. Jesus is going to show up. Invite your one this weekend, right? Just come and see. Come and see. Now, they don't need to, you don't need to debate with anybody. You don't need to convince anybody. Just say, come and see. Now, they may have some legitimate questions about Jesus, right? 
I mean, look at it. Nathaniel did. Look at it. John chapter 1, verse 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, what's interesting is that Philip doesn't go, come on, you know at least one good thing can come out of Nazareth. He doesn't enter into a debate with him. He doesn't. What does he do? He just simply says, come and see. Come and see. You see, I believe that a lot of us, we have this fear. And the reason why that we do not reach out to people is because we're afraid. We're like, oh my goodness, what if they ask me a question that I don't know? They probably will. It's no big deal. All you got to do is say, hey, you know what? I don't know, but come and see. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Come and see. That's what I'm asking you to do this year. I'm asking you to start today. Start praying. God, put on my heart the one. And when he puts a person in your heart, just open your heart and make room and take that person seriously. Say, God, I want to have the same heart that you have for that person. I want to start praying for them. I want to start loving them. And I'm going to invite them. And I guarantee that if you'll do that, if you make room, God will start a spiritual chain from your life to somebody else's life. He wants to do it this year. And if you'll start a chain and 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 you start a chain and you start a chain and if you start a chain and you start a chain and you start a chain and if all nine services and all 5,000 members of our church, if we all start a chain, we're going to rock this city for Jesus Christ. And generations will be changed. Why? Because we've made room in our heart for just one more person this year. That's what God's asking you. This is his vision for you. Make room for your one. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.